Hello and welcome to another episode of A Little Ray of Sunshine, inspirational stories from everyday people. Tonight we'll be talking with Jess and she lives in Arizona. Hello. Hi, is this Jess? This is. How's it going? Brother Ray? Yes, it is. Yes. Uh, I am at BYU-Idaho. I teach there and that's how I know your friend and my friend Caitlin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so she said, you know, yeah, I'll call my friend Jess, and I'll see if she'd be willing to, to visit with you. And, yeah, sure. Uh, so I thought, oh, great. I didn't have anybody lined up for this week, so it worked out perfect. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah, so where do you work? I work at a rehab facility in Arizona, oh, in northern Arizona. Nice. nice. Are you yeah. a graduate from BYU-Idaho as well? Um, I'm on break. I would get married, so I wanted to save up the summer and getting married the end of the summer <laughs> so next year i'll be there year round mm-hmm. perfect so how do you know caitlin so caitlin she was my roommate for fall and winter of this past school year mm-hmm. well i know she's from arizona as well so mm-hmm. didn't know if you guys were friends back there or if you just met right 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 up here so well she said that you had a pretty interesting story that if you don't mind sharing and i don't know what it is and and we have never met before, so I'm I'm in the dark. About oh yeah, that. So, um, well, so my father, I met my mother. They were online buddies for a bit, just pen pals. My dad knew he was facing prison time for some crimes he had made with that happened in his first marriage, and he had gotten divorced, but felt impressed to go on to the LDS singles. And my mom did too, and they were just good friends for a while. But they met and. They became great friends and then had some spiritual awakenings that they were to marry. And when they got married, they felt impressed to start knowing. My mom married my dad knowing that he was facing about three years worth of prison time. Mm-hmm. And when she, so we were planned, but she was four months pregnant when they had their court hearing and what they thought would be three year sentence ended up being 12. Oh. So, yeah. So I grew up visiting my dad in prison. It was there that we had our Book of Mormon studies, our family time. But I didn't know any different because that's what I had grown up with. And my father was so present still as a dad. Every night he would call and check me into bed, like do bedtime. I remember him. He I learned how to tie my shoes in prison. <laughs> I remember uh, my dad teaching me, like, every week we would call and work through our, my times tables together. And he was just a very, very present dad. And so for me, that wasn't anything different. And so he was released in 2010 good behavior he got off two years early but due to probation from I had a father growing up then probation just pretty restricted it so from the time I was 10 to 18 I only could speak to my dad and this was collectively of three years total if not the days the times we couldn't have contact it was no contact meaning no letter form no phone calls no face-to-face visits even with my mother around it was pretty strict so it definitely was a lonesome time and Obviously, I was diagnosed with anxiety depression when I left for my mission and was on my mission during 2020. I was like a COVID baby, <laughs> <laughs> was trained during COVID, and my mission had like some of the best mental health help in the world. And so I was able to get on top of my mental health stuff. And although I felt like I had failed as a missionary and felt as though I couldn't get above this, my father, he understood what it felt like to be confined and restricted. and he what he understood how to help me get into routines to work through as I was really struggling. And I didn't know that 
three years later, I would end up be marrying my fiance, the first person I ever taught on my mission. <laughs> oh my word. Where did you serve, Jess? St. Louis, Missouri, but most mostly in Illinois. And so, yeah, that had happened. And it's definitely been an adjustment. It was definitely an adjustment because I had never lived with my dad. And if I did, it was only for a few months with my mom. And it just was a huge adjustment because he was still the father figure, but not the like I wasn't used to him being the disciplinarian as that was my mom. My mom really did all of it. Right. So it was definitely an adjustment after I turned 18 and we moved in together as a complete family. Instead of my dad swallowing and self-pity, he always just went to work. So he was able to provide two different houses. There was a house that he lived in. And then on the weekends, the house we live in now, my mother would stay there. And then during the weekday, he also paid for that other house. And during the weekdays, my mom would stay with us at school and so we'd go to the same ward and we couldn't talk to each other. We could look at each other across the room, but that was about it. <laughs> so let me get a timetable with that just so that I'm clear. How old were you when he went to prison? I was almost four months pregnant when they found out 12 years. So I, I initially visited my dad at two weeks old oh. starting. Mm -hmm. Okay. And he served a total of how many years? He was sentenced to 12, got off good behavior for 10. So that 10 years that first 10 years of my childhood was weekly visits with my dad. Um, we moved when finances got really tight, that 2008 crash mm -hmm. right before it. And so then it was probably like every other month we'd go and see him. But yeah. <laughs> As a child growing up, that's all you knew. Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, it, honestly, I mean, like there were times that it felt different when, you know, he didn't. it was hard when he wasn't at my baptism. He couldn't baptize me. That was the day that I was kind of, I just, I started to collect like, man, this, this is kind of hard not having dad around or daddy, daughter, like outings, just hanging out with dad, you know, going to take you out to ice cream or, mm -hmm. you know, helping you work with your sports. I used to really enjoy sports. I remember one time when I, um, I used to do competitive gymnastics and I was learning bars. He used his actual arm as a bar for me. Yeah. We had this little visiting place outside. Uh, where it was, it was of course like barbed wired and shut with like chicken wiring and whatever, if I can remember that right. And he just extended his arm out and let me use it to <laughs> my gymnastics tricks on. Oh my word. So through it all, what did you do to be able to cope with knowing that your father was locked away? How did you cope with that? Yeah. So like I said, it, it really wasn't hard until after he came out because we all had all these high expectations that we were going to be a family finally and be able to do all these fun trips together besides the annual Disneyland trip when we lived in Phoenix. And probation just kind of crushed that dream. So just couldn't see him. And it was just an adjustment having him in my life more often. Mm -hmm. So I, like I said, I was one to sleep a lot. I got into a really bad depression because it was right when I felt like I was getting close to dad again, probation caused the restrictions of not being able to be around him. And so I definitely, it was just, I was just very confused and hurt. And I would take it out on dad thinking it was his fault if he hadn't made these mistakes and if he had just been a little bit more better at following the probation rules. And it actually wasn't him. It was just probation was, there was a misunderstanding and Arizona is one of the strictest with probation. And so, yeah, I, I, like I said, I was diagnosed with depression, anxiety, and I actually think I had that growing up, but obviously there's things that happened as the years went by when my sweet mother would go and visit my father when we were younger with family, we thought we could trust to take care of us. That, that was the time, the time I could remember to about four or five, 
at this family's place that we thought was safe. I had been molested during that time. And so I definitely had a lot of like resentment towards not resentment, but I didn't realize I had developed an attachment disorder of when that would happen to me. And that had happened to me years later that I really struggled believing that people will in a sense abandon me and not rescue me when it really needs it. So of course I turned instead of that resentment towards my mom for that happening, I turned it towards my dad. Well, if you weren't in prison, this would never have happened, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. And so it was more the teen years when it got really difficult because there's more things to miss out on. He didn't, he wasn't able to make it to my graduation because of the nature of his crime um, and probation. He wasn't able to make it to my competitive games and my gymnastic performances. And uh, we hadn't ever spent a Christmas. We spent only one Christmas together that whole time from the time we were zero to 18. And so, yeah, uh, it was challenging. But at the same time, my father was so great about preaching when we'd visit in prison. That was the time we did our Book of Mormon study and our family time. And my father would teach and testify so much about the atonement and missionary work. He helped many, many people come into the gospel during that 10-year time that he was there. And in fact, he was still able to miraculously have a job. He's a contractor, so miraculously when he was released, he was able to just get right to work building homes and houses. And that's led to us being financially pretty stable for despite the nature of his crime. And uh, it was kind of just fell into place where the Lord pretty much said that they needed him to take over this rehab facility because he knew a lot more about therapy now. He he knew a lot more about the where we can tie in the higher power or the faith of our Savior, faith of God in our life. And so it's it's actually been, I, I would say it's been more of a gain than anything. And it, um, But in his eyes, I'm sure it was extremely difficult that 12 years of missing his new children and also losing the family he had before. I have five older half-siblings I've never met. Yeah, it's, it was difficult. Like, there were a lot of times, like, if my dad really was forgiven, why do we still have so many restrictions? Now on regular probation, he was baptized in 2015, rebaptized, but he is yet and maybe will ever be able to be sealed in this lifetime because he has to be off probation before we can do that. So mm-hmm. it's not easy to go to the church. Is it just because they see the nature of his crime and immediately go, this is, oh, we're not going to even think of it because of what he had done? Or do we have to sit and just trust that, you know, they know what they're doing? <laughs> Yeah. So is he still on probation? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was sentenced to lifetime probation. He took a plea for three years lifetime probation, but it just went down south. And the sentencing, they said uh, 12 years lifetime probation. My mom was four months pregnant in that hearing, and my dad immediately went to jail. So she, they didn't think he would go straight into jail that night, but that's what happened. Mm-hmm. And do you feel comfortable talking about the nature of what happened? Yes. So he... Is a registered sex offender. Mm-hmm. My sweet father, if you knew what had all happened uh, for him growing up, mm-hmm. I'm not saying it makes sense because he's very good about accepting his fault and his mistakes in it. But right. there was pornography involved. There was he was molested as a child, all those things. And he got this girl pregnant when he uh, was 19. And back then it was no matter what, you get married. Even though they really didn't love each other, it was just one of those dumb kids. And so they got sealed in the temple. They tried to make it work and had four other kids. So there was a total of five. And during that whole time, their marriage was really, was really, really bad. Just not, um, not a good situation. They, they weren't like, they both bicker. It wasn't just one-sided. Mm-hmm. And then they also 
how do I word it? Uh, it just related to inappropriate and talking with his oldest daughter that was going through puberty at the time. And the most he ever did was touch overclothes her breasts and, mm-hmm. and stuff, but it doesn't matter. He still obviously accepts fault. And he had a lot of wake up calls to get his life back to stop those things and also get confessed about his, cause he's elder scorn president, but back behind the scenes, he was going to strip clubs and all those things. And so when his ex-wife found out, then she just turned it into a lot of bigger portion. And although for a lot of people, you know, I would visit, so it was a, it was a sex offense prison that I grew up visiting my dad in mm-hmm. with my mom. And a lot of those people were coming in and out that he would make friends that were only sentenced to two to four to five years of a rape count. And here my father was for molestation, not justifying. Right. And so it, it is that wonder of why did he need to go in for so much longer and all those things. And so, yeah, he's never done anything towards me. And I never felt like he would ever do something towards me or anyone else since he's been out. But it's amazing to see his testimony that's come of the Savior, Jesus Christ, and the cleansing power and also uh, the healing that came while he was in there for that 12 years of being able to change his life for the better and to help other people. And it's been a noticeable change that you've been able to witness. Oh, 100%. Oh, yeah. Definitely, I hurt for those five kids that I don't even consider them siblings because, like I said, they're over 10, 15 years older than me. Hmm. I hear about... In fact, my my dad's reason my parents married is because my father had a vision of me and my brother. And that's why my parents felt impressed to get married because uh, they had that experience. And But yes, I've seen, my father's one of the best missionaries I've ever met. He's been a part of over 20 baptisms, more than that in his lifetime. There's many families that would come over to my mother's house when we were babies and take the missionary discussions. These were the relatives of his cellmates and they would get baptized and join the gospel. And a lot of his employees now that work for him have come onto the fold and have joined the church and been sealed with their family. And yeah, it's definitely can't both. He always talks about, he gets emotional, you know, mm-hmm. can't both be true. Can't I be a registered sex offender who has destroyed a family's life and caused so much heartache, but can I also be a great father to you guys and a great disciple of Jesus Christ? Can't both be true. Um, that's something that's really reminded me of him. What is your thought about that? Oh, I, I agree with wholeheartedly. Mm-hmm. He's learned so much more, too, about, like, when he had some experiences of when he he realized that he had been forgiven of his sins. And it turns into an analogy of it's not my groceries anymore. Mm-hmm. It's the Savior's now, right? You, you buy groceries for other people sometimes that are struggling or are tight on finances or in a, in a lesser condition than us. And... You give groceries to them, and that's their groceries now. <laughs> and that's so an that's interesting it. way to put it, isn't it? Uh-huh. So yeah. it, is he still living in his own home? He still can't live with yeah, the family? No, we, can't, we're, we all live as a family now because I'm 18. Once okay. we turned, it was a twin brother and I. Once um, we turned 18, we could all live together. So he found this dream home that they remodeled slowly over the years. You know how contractors do it. Right. If they're contractors, the last project is their own house. Mm-hmm. So it's... Um, basically all finished now and so he would work on that on his off time or and live here and then we would live we were just in neighboring towns during that time and yeah (laughs) yeah and you know as I listen to your story Jess about your father and the things that happened and and how life turned out for everybody and how he's made such a miraculous change sometimes I think it's easy for people who don't know the situation to judge. 
Oh, I had a lot of friends who, um, there was this one town we lived in that was highly LDS populated. And I would be excited to hang out with them. And then their parents um, at the doorstep would say that they're not allowed to. And a child would say it's because of my dad. When my dad was actually still in prison at the time. <laughs> mm-hmm. And ironically, the war that really led me into coming close to the gospel and going on a mission is the war that his crime was in over 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. They were just the most loving, outpouring people that, that just brought you under their wing. Oh, that's um, fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so, so yes, there's both the very experience, this, the extremely judgmental. So how has this changed you or sculpted you, if you will, as a human being with the life um, experiences you've had? Yeah, I'm just, I'm very non-judgmental. I wouldn't know my Savior the way that I do because only I felt like I came to learn that only He really understands these very unique trials that are very not often seen in the church, I would say. I definitely have a lot more empathy for different types of people because there's so much more to them than just their past. And missionary work, just my father's been so great at teaching us how we can help missionary work. And my father loves the song because I've been given much I too must give. He gives mm-hmm. out more than he eats. I think part of why we're so financially stable is because he's given more money out and more people homes and houses to live and and places to stay and jobs to have because he knows it's not his money that he's ever been made it's what the lord has promised him as he's promised to make it up for and so for his form of healing is serving back and that's exactly what my dad has done these past 12 years he's been in and out he's just been just constantly serving and giving back these past 12 years, it's, he doesn't keep much to himself. He's so good about taking care of my sweet mother when she hit over about 150,000 miles in our car. Start looking for a new car for her. Not saying it was brand new, but pretty much brand new. And my dad would have with these old work vehicles. And then finally at 55, uh, like a few months before I got home from my mission on his birthday, he customized and bought his brand his first ever brand new truck. He's never had a brand new car. <laughs> like that's, that, that's just the man my dad is. He'll do a lot he'll go above and beyond for other people than himself he's it's hard for him to really splurge himself on things Mm -hmm. and so moving forward with your life jess where do you see your life going yeah so my fiance actually was an addict in high school and did some really poor choices in high school and was uh, was a teen baby and has just had a difficult life but because i had seen such a change in my father and i'd seen the potential in him Compared to most kids, I definitely at times thought I'm going to marry a return missionary and, and a member of my church because that's what's expected of me. That's how I felt like God was going to bless me. But when I met my fiance now, having that prompting to start dating him, not knowing the future, not knowing if we would. I was really close to his parents. They, even though they never converted, they would travel three hours away to visit me in my different areas. <laughs> <laughs> I just felt very impressed that he was someone I was supposed to marry and to be with, even not knowing if he would ever decide to join or not. And obviously he did end up joining and he's been a member for, it's going strong. He's been a member for almost eight months now and loving it. Great. <laughs> but moving forward, just something my parents have always distilled in me is there's no secrets in this family. No matter what, we'll love you. Don't be afraid to ever tell us something. And so that's instilled in me to where I never felt like I had to lie to my parents about anything. 
And I think that's what led me on such a healthier path to where I felt honest and open to communicate with my parents and to talk. And so I know that I would be doing the, and so I hope for that for my children too, and just understand that there's so much more to someone than just their quote unquote, what they've done um, in the past. And so that's been something very humbling just to see how this, maybe I guess seeing people a little bit more in the savior's way. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, with the savior's eyes. Is it getting a little bit easier for you to do that, to see people through the, the kind oh. of the savior's lenses? Oh, yeah. I feel like my whole life, I've, it's actually been easier more just because of, you know, I as an LDS girl grew up with a registered sex offender father, you know, like <laughs> who, who has that experience often, you know, not, not many. And, right. and so just learning to, and a very spiritual patriarch, patriarch father who has given me many father's blessings since I've been out, you know, he still fulfills his church callings. He's still who's shown not to be bitter about our circumstances, but to thrive and just to trust that the Lord and the Savior knows that will make up all of it. It's motivated me more to be better for when the Savior comes again, because all things will be made up unto. It doesn't mean that there isn't sometimes where, we're, where I can get bitter about, you know, if God really talks about forgiveness, why have we yet to be sealed? We've petitioned for him to get off probation two different times because the church has said unless he gets off probation, he can't get sealed in. Both times was denied by court. And so it's just, it's easy to go, well, will that ever be a blessing? And so, yeah, no, just especially when I went to the rehab facility, these people would tell me these horrendous things that have happened to them or things they've done. It was like, I couldn't judge them or see them in a lesser light because I, you know, I had such an experience before and it's definitely on my mission. It benefited me so much, but the people I taught and if I had a companion that felt like they had quote unquote, like made some horrible mistakes or roommates that had really gone off the deep end at college. I was one that they felt safe to talk to because they knew that I wasn't going to judge them, but lovingly help them get back on the path that they needed to be. Mm-hmm. And you know, the way I look at it, Jess, is you had two roads you could have taken. One, you could have just been bitter your whole life, or you take the higher road, which I believe that's what you did. Yeah. Yeah. And the difference is now that you've been able to fulfill some of your dreams and you know what forgiveness is and you understand the atonement and you know i think it could have gone very wrong if you would have allowed it to oh yeah if it weren't for this experience i wouldn't have gone to the gospel more because in high school i definitely had that bitterness and and felt like i didn't belong in the church because of my father and just the you know the uniqueness of my mother just taking us by herself for so many years to church when my father was in prison and but that's actually the time where my ward, my young woman's leaders, and really took me in and helped me come to understand the atonement and and just loved our family like no other. And it taught me so much more about how we really should be Christ-like, how we really should love people. That's a great lesson to learn. It truly is. Yeah. And I definitely probably would have fallen away from the church just through all the judgment and the passing eyes and and those things, but from that experience, it saved me. Yeah, and your family is stronger for it? Oh, yeah. Well, that's great. Yeah. So if, and I know I'm taking up your time here, but just kind of winding this down, if you could give any advice to anybody who might be experiencing, I don't know, the exact same thing, but where they felt depression and anxiety and have had family issues, what would you, what would you say to them to help keep them going? Well, 
for those that feel like no one understands what they're going through, whether it be through mental anguishes or through their challenges that they're facing as a family. Mm-hmm. My father has taught me this. Uh, the times where you felt guilty for all your, your mistakes, that's just consumed you and you felt like if it comes out, then the world is ending. Yeah. <laughs> um, as he's worked through the atonement process, he's learned, and he says this often, and I said this a lot to the people on my mission who felt that there was no way they could be ever forgiven from their past, was the Lord knows the desires of my heart, and he is pleased with those desires. And it's so true, you know, the Lord knows the desires of our heart, and he is pleased with those desires. And so understanding that, has just been something that's really helped motivate me to just move forward in life and to understand that also sometimes this is my Gethsemane with the mental health battle that I have and that this is my Gethsemane and I've come to know my Savior in a whole different light because of this trial. And just that, like I said, rely on the Savior. The gospel is perfect. The people aren't. (laughs) Mm. We're all imperfect beings trying to become perfected. And so when I remember that, even with some of maybe the difficult leadership we had, that it was obvious that they weren't going to give my dad the time of day because of what he had done, that they're imperfect people trying to follow the Lord and all in his own time. That's a good attitude, a good approach, very good approach to take, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Well, Jess, it's been a pleasure to visit with you for the past half hour. And just want to say thank you for sharing your story. It's a very personal story, and I think sometimes we feel like it's hard to share that because it makes us vulnerable and kind of letting ourselves go a little bit and being vulnerable allows other people to see the realness in it. And that's what you've done tonight. So thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for feeling inclined to call. You bet. So perhaps we'll meet one day up on campus. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, Jess, you have a wonderful evening and thank you again for sharing your story. Yeah, of course. You as well. (laughs) Okay. Thanks. Bye-bye. And to my listeners, remember to speak up, speak out, and speak often. Bye-bye.